Podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. This week, we are again continuing our listener library series and featuring requests from our listeners. Robert writes to us, Hello, Tim, Joshua, and Eric. I love your show. I would like to put out one of my all-time favorites and see if it stands the test of time. Backstory. My mother took me to a theater to see Meet Me in St. Louis in 1977. I was 12 years old. Judy Garland stole my heart, but Margaret O'Brien stole the show. Truly one of the most talented child stars of her time. To present, I recently listened to an episode of Suspense titled The Screaming Woman, starring Margaret O'Brien. I would love to hear your takes on this episode. It is so exciting to see this genre of radio grow in popularity again, thanks to great podcasters like yourselves. So, this week, we do The Screaming Woman from Suspense for you, Robert. As Robert said, Margaret O'Brien plays the child in this episode. She had a prolific career as a child actress in feature films for Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and was one of the most popular stars of her time. Her most memorable role was as Tootie in Meet Me in St. Louis in 1944 with Judy Garland. She was awarded a Juvenile Academy Award as the Outstanding Child Actress of 1944. Her Oscar is a great story itself. A family maid asked to take her Oscar home with her to polish. The maid never returned and had left no forwarding address. She was given a replacement Oscar, but she never gave up looking for it. In 1995, two collectors found the Oscar with her name on it in a flea market and returned it to her. The Screaming Woman was originally written by Ray Bradbury and adapted for suspense by Sylvia Richards, who did a lot of writing for suspense. In the 1950s, she was called as a friendly witness to the McCarthy hearings, the House on Un-American Activities Committee. She later claimed that she went along with it because she feared for the well-being of her two young sons. But her appearance resulted in a divorce from her husband, screenwriter Robert L. Richards, who would not testify for the committee. Robert Richards was blacklisted and forced to write under various pseudonyms for the remainder of his career. Sylvia herself never wrote again. Ironically, she remarried screenwriter A.I. Buzz Bezerides, himself a victim of the McCarthy-era blacklist. And not to ruin anything, but The Screaming Woman does feature a screaming woman. And that screaming woman is... Well, let's see if you can guess by her scream. So here it is, The Screaming Woman from Suspense, originally broadcast November 25th, 1948. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. In just a moment, Autolite presents Suspense, starring Margaret O'Brien. Over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we go. The horse knows the way to carry the sleigh. Why, Hap, Hap, that's not the way to sing hurrah for Thanksgiving Day. What are you telling me, Harlow Wilcox? Why, I'm No, no, Hap, this is the way it goes today. Over the river and through the woods and never mind the snow. Grandpa is happy with his jalopy, his batteries never low. 
Over the river and through the woods, blow high ye winds, blow low. The car's as snappy as Grandma and Pappy, with an Autolite stay full, you know. But Harlow, Well, you not... see, Hap, Autolite stay full batteries have changed a lot of things today. Harlow isn't anything sacred anymore. It's Thanksgiving Day. Let's listen to Margaret O'Brien on Suspense. Autolite and its 60,000 dealers and service stations bring you radio's outstanding theater of thrills. Starring tonight, Miss Margaret O'Brien in Anton Leder's production of The Screaming Woman. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. I'm Margaret Leary, and I've got to tell you how it happened. It was Thanksgiving Day, and it was nice and sunshiny. Almost like summer, except cooler. Mama was cooking the turkey, and I was watching. And Mama said to me, Good heavens, I forgot. Your Aunt Cynthia's made some cranberry relish for us. Run over and get it, Margaret, so her feelings aren't hurt. And hurry, this turkey's done to a turn. So I ran to Aunt Cynthia's, and on the way back, I took a shortcut through Mr. Kelly's lot. It's a big lot, more like the side of a hill that slides down to Monument Creek. It's a swell place to play Indians and cowboys, or explorers are hunting for treasures, because trucks dump all kinds of stuff there. Loads of dirt and junk, and even big things like old cars and big pipes and chunks of concrete. Well, this day, coming back from Aunt Cynthia's, I saw that a lot of new junk and dirt had been dumped there since Saturday. They'd even covered up our swell big concrete pipe that us kids called our fort. Covered it clear up. I was looking around to see where it used to be when, all of a sudden, I stopped and listened. The sound was coming up out of the ground. A woman was buried under the junk and dirt and glass, and she was screaming all wild and horrible for somebody to dig her out. I started to run. I fell down and got up and ran some more. It was an awful, awful long way to our house that day. Mama! Mama! Margaret? Mama, Mama! Oh, Margaret, haven't I told you not to slam the door? Is that the relish? Listen, Mama, there's a screaming woman in the lot. Wash your hands, Margaret. She was screaming and screaming and screaming. Mama, listen to me. We've got to dig her out. She's buried under tons and tons of dirt. I'm sure she can wait till after dinner. Oh, next year, I swear I'm going to buy a bigger platter. Mama, don't you believe me? You've got to believe me. Margaret, I've got a million things to do. Good gosh, look at you. How'd you get your knees so dirty? Well, running back from the lot, I... Never mind. Scoot and tell your dad we're about to eat. He's in the front room reading his paper. Yes, Mama. Daddy! Oh, Daddy, I've got to tell you something. Getting hungry, baby? Daddy, there's a screaming woman in the lot. I never knew a woman who didn't. Mmm, smell that turkey. We've got to get picks and shovels and dig her up, like for an Egyptian mummy. Oh, Daddy! I don't feel much like an archaeologist today, Margaret. I can't think of anything but food. Let's have an expedition next Sunday and dig her up. But we can't wait that long. Oh, Daddy, she'll die if we don't do it now. I'll give you some money. Oh, so it's a business proposition. Well, how much do you pay by the hour? I've got five whole dollars. It took me a year to save. <laughs> Come here, Puss. You know I'm touched. Oh, but Daddy, You want I... me to play with you, and you're willing to pay me for my oh, but... time. 
My dear, you're shaking. Calm down. Oh, Daddy, please. After our Thanksgiving dinner, I'll come out and listen to your screaming. Oh, but... How's that? Oh, no, now, Daddy. Maybe she'll die if you don't come out now. Oh, you've got to come now. Margaret. If you believe me, you wouldn't wait. You never believe me. Mama doesn't believe me. Ma- Nobody Margaret, believes me. quiet down right this minute. Oh, or but... I not only won't go with you, but you'll go to your room and stay in without oh. your Thanksgiving dinner. Now, is that clear? Yes, sir. It's clear. I always liked Thanksgiving, almost next best to Christmas, but that was an awful one. Dinner was a million years long. Everybody moved so slow, like a slow motion movie. Forks and knives and spoons moved slow, and Dad's cheek muscles moved slow when he chewed. I'm going to try to make things faster. Margaret, you heard your mother now. Don't eat so fast. But, Daddy, the screaming woman, we've got to hurry. My dear young lady, this is Thanksgiving dinner, an occasion when we do not hurry. Oh, I intend to eat four or five helpings of everything until I can't eat any more. Then I'm going to make an extra effort and find room for pumpkin pie, a few walnuts, and stuffed dates. Oh, please, please, Daddy. Now, if you pester me anymore, if you mention her again, this screaming what's-this, I won't go out with you to hear a recital at all. I understood? Yes, sir. It's understood. I wanted to yell. Oh, please, rush, get up, run around, come on, hurry. But I had to sit still, while out there in the lot with the sun shining down, all alone with nobody to hear or to help her, was the screaming woman. I could hear in my mind, screaming. Mom and Daddy couldn't hear. They just kept on eating and talking. Well... Now that I can be thankful for a full stomach, I guess we should consider what other things we have to be thankful for, hmm? Well, we're all healthy. Prices are sky high, but we're not in debt. Mm. Yet. Those are mundane things, my dear. I'm thankful for my big daughter. Right, Puss? Yes, Dad. And for my loving wife, who is still the most romantic woman I know. Oh, silly. (laughs) I'm thankful I didn't marry somebody else. You nearly married Dora Lampell. Even gave her a ring. No, I never meant a thing. No one... No. You're the only one who's been the serious competitor since we were all kids. Oh. There's only one. One other. Helen Nesbitt. Oh. (laughs) Helen was my first love. When she was about as old as Margaret, I gave her a present one Christmas, and she gave me one, I still have it. Oh, that paperweight on your desk. Mm Mm-hmm. Funny how we hang on to things that were important when we were kids. Daddy. Just a little longer, boss. Warm up my coffee, will you, dear? You know what I'm thankful for, dear? Seriously. That we stayed here in this same town where we grew up. Here you are, dear. Thank you. The same friends. Even the same street. Mm, It's been a peaceful life. Not very exciting, but... Daddy! Margaret finds it pretty exciting. (laughs) Yes. You better take her out to the lot before she collapses. All right, now, where is your screaming woman? Lead me to her. Over here, where our fort used to be. Fort? The big concrete pipe. It's all covered up now. Kelly's really getting this lot filled in. All right, where's the lady? Uh, Right about here, Daddy. Listen. 
Don't hear a thing. Except the wind. Better button up your sweater post. Shh. Listen. Well, that's the trolley over on Aspen Street. Hey there. Screaming woman. Hey. Hmm. Looks like the Dolans are starting out for a drive. Well, I guess your screaming woman's let you down, Puss. But she was here, Daddy. Right under here where they dumped all this dirt. I heard her screaming and screaming like she was underneath the fort. Somebody's dumped tons and tons right on top of our fort. Yeah, too bad they buried your fort, Margaret. I saw two of Kelly's big trucks backed in here last evening. There was a dump truck in here this morning, too. It isn't because they covered the fort. Ah, it must be your screaming woman doesn't like grown-ups. Only delivers her solo for kids, I guess. Maybe she can't scream anymore. Well... I'm going back and take a nap. Let my dinner settle. Well, aren't you going to help me dig? Now, listen, my dear. Don't you think this is a sort of a silly game? But it's not a game. Now, don't stay too long, dear. Mama probably likes some help with those dishes. Daddy! Daddy! I know I heard her scream. I know it. Oh, darn, darn, darn. You're there. You're still there. Hey, screaming woman. Why did you scream before? Why didn't you scream so Daddy could hear you? Don't just scream for me. I can't help you all by myself. Daddy! Daddy, where are you? Daddy! Daddy, she's screaming again. Right after you left, she started to scream. You've got to come back. Oh, there now. Come here. Let me feel your head. Please, Dad. Why, you've got a fever. You're going to lie down, young lady. We can't leave it down there, Dad. We just come can't. Come on along. Come on into your room. That's right. It's awful, Dad. It's awful for her to be screaming and nobody listening. Now, nobody listen, caring. lie down, Post. Lie down. Now, come on. She'll choke where there isn't any more air and she'll die. Now, you're going to lie down the rest of the afternoon before you make yourself sick. No, I've got to dig. I've got to dig her up. It's all those comic books you read. Now, I forbid you to leave the house. Close your eyes now and take a nap. That's my good girl. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? For suspense, Autolite is bringing you Miss Margaret O'Brien in radio's outstanding theater of thrills... Suspense. Carlo, I have a hunch you're going to give me another Autolite Stay Full Battery Thanksgiving song. No, not me, Hap. No? No, sirree. By Cornelius, I'm going to tell a Thanksgiving story. It's a fable. Well, <laughs> couldn't be anything else if you told it. Now, listen to this, my trigger-tongue trooper. Last year at this time, my car called me out to the garage... What? Quite a car, too, Hap. Once a year, she overhauls me. Wow, and on Thanksgiving Day, too. Harlow, she said, I have an empty feeling, and I'm so confounded thirsty all the time, I think you ought to do something about it. I'd like to end up Thanksgiving Day with that fine, full feeling that lulls you to sleep as soon as the mince pie disappears. Well, how, my pretty, says I, can all this be accomplished? Easy, she chimes. I need to switch to an Autolite stay-full battery. Why, with an Autolite stay-full battery, I'll never be thirsty. And if you use me normally, I'll need only three drinks a year. And what's more, with the oversized electrical capacity and fiberglass insulation of that Autolite stay-full battery, I'll have more power, stay lively longer, and save you time, trouble, work, and worry. 
And Harlow, for a fellow as lazy as you are, think what all this means. <laughs> well, when she came up with all those points in my favor, I hurried, I hastened, I hurdled till I was exhausted. And by Christopher, I got an Autolite stay-full battery and gave it to Clarissa. I call my car Clarissa. Oh. Thanksgiving morning. We took a spin, and I could tell she was happier than a penguin with skis. <laughs> Sounds like Harlow in Wonderland. Well, now, let's get back to Margaret O'Brien and the screaming woman. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Miss Margaret O'Brien as Margaret in The Screaming Woman, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. After a while, I stopped crying. I had to get back to the lot where that woman was screaming. But I was locked in. I tied a sheet to the bed and let it out the window and chinned down to the ground. Then I ran to the garage and got shovels and ran to the empty lot. The sun was almost down and it was getting cold. I started to dig fast. Hiya, Maggie. It was Dippy Smith, who was 10 years old, the same as me. He goes to my school. What you digging for? For a screaming woman. She's down in the ground and I'm going to dig her up. You can help me dig, Dippy. There's an extra shovel. I don't hear nothing. And I don't dig unless I hear a scream. Then listen. I don't hear nothing. Just wait. You will. <gasps> there. Did you hear it? Hey, that's okay. Do it again. Do what again? The scream. Do it again. Go on. I'll give you this Aggie to teach me to do it. Hot dog, did you get that ventriloquist book for a dime from that magic company? You got one of those ten things in your mouth? I, I, I won't tell unless you help me dig. Okay, swell. Give me the shovel. Hot dog. And, and you got to dig fast, like this, Dippy. Boy, you think she was right under our feet. You're wonderful, Maggie. Say, what's the screaming woman's name? You must have made her up a name. Oh, sure. Her name is Wilma Schweiger, and she's a rich old lady, 160 years old. And she was buried by a crook named Spike. Come on, Dippy, dig! Keep digging. We can't stop, Dippy. Oh, I'm tired. I think I'll go home. Dippy, Dippy, stop. You can't. There really is a woman buried here. Well, sure. You said so, Maggie. Oh, don't you believe me? I wasn't throwing my voice. Come back, Dippy. Okay, but I'm getting tired of digging. Uh, now, look, Dippy. I'll go way over here, and then you listen. Okay. Listen. <laughs> hey, there really is a woman here. That's what I told you. Well, come on. Let's dig. How's she breathing, do you think? I... I think she's in the fort. Remember? Sure. That's where she must be. Five or six of us kids could get in it so it's big enough. I sure hope it isn't just a radio or something. Well, a radio would be nice, too. Here, here. What do you kids think you're doing? Oh. 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 Hello, Hello, Mr. Kelly. Kelly. I'm tired of chasing you out of this lot. If one of you gets hurted, maybe your folks would sue me. But, Mr. Kelly, there's a woman screaming. You kids beat it, do you hear? Yes, sir. But listen, Mr. Kelly, don't you hear her? There. I don't hear a thing, and neither do you. Now, now, beat it. Come 
Hello, Maggie. Mr. Kelly, somebody's got to dig her up. Don't argue with me or I'll phone your folks. This is my property. Do I have to put up a fence? Why should I spend money to keep people off my own property? Dippy, it's him. He's the one. Huh? He murdered Mrs. Kelly. He hit her on the head and stuck her in the fort and dumped loads of dirt on top. But she wasn't dead. She came too. Why, you saw him. He stood right there when she screamed and wouldn't pay any attention. Hey, that's right. He stood right there and lied to us. What'll we do, Maggie? There's only one thing to do. We'll phone the police and tell them to come and arrest Mr. Kelly. Hey, they sure got here fast, Maggie. Shh, don't make a sound. Kelly in the house? Yes, he went right home from the lot. Yes, officer. You, Mr. Kelly? Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Is Mrs. Kelly at home this evening? Why, sure. Can I see her, sir? Why, sure. Hey, Anna. What's up? We got a call. Oh, well, good evening, ma'am. What did it oh. oh, I'm sorry, folks. We got a call that Mrs. Kelly was buried alive in an empty lot. Sound like some kid calling, but we had to make sure. We always check, you know. Well, I can't understand. It's what those you blasted do. kids. If I ever catch them, I'll break their necks. Maggie, cheese it. Boy, if Mr. Kelly telephones my dad, I'll get a licking. What'll we do about the screaming woman? What the heck with her? I'm not going near that lot again. Wait, Dippy. Huh? I know why he didn't hear the screams. Kelly's sort of deaf. Mama says he's hard of hearing. He heard us, didn't he? He heard the cop. He reads people's lips, but he couldn't hear the screaming woman because he couldn't see her. Dippy, come on. We gotta dig some more. No, sir. But we've got to. We're already in a peck of trouble over your darn old ventriloquist voice. I'm not going to get in any more trouble. No, sir. <laughs> And he went off and left me alone. I wanted to crawl down under the ground with the screaming woman and die too. It was dark now, and Dad would be hunting for me. If he found me, I'd get a licking and be put to bed. And then nobody would help the screaming woman at all. There was only one last thing to do. So I did it. To go all over the neighborhood from house to house and find out who's missing. Why, hello, dear. Hello, Mrs. Griswold. Is anybody missing from your house? Is your sister from Detroit still here? Uh, yes, she's sitting right over there by the radio. Don't you see her? Em, little Margaret Leary wants... No, I, I only wanted to see her, Mrs. Griswold. I was just wondering. I just wanted to know if she was here. Hello, Mrs. Pikes. You're looking good. I'm glad to see you're at home, Mrs. Pikes. I'm awful glad. Mr. Hyde, is your wife still here? Dora, aren't you out pretty late, Margaret? Yes. Oh, hello, Mrs. Hyde. What is it, Margaret? I just wanted to see you, Mrs. Hyde. That's all. The hours were just rolling along, and I rang bells and knocked, and I rang bells. I was about to give up when I came to the Nesbitt's house. 
The house was quiet like nobody was at home. But I saw a dim, spooky light inside somewhere. So I just kept knocking and knocking. Oh! What do you want? Oh, nothing, Mr. Nesbitt. I only wanted to see Mrs. Nesbitt. She's not here. She's gone to the store. At night? Besides, it's closed today, I think. The drugstore down on Clark Street. Oh, well, then she ought to be back pretty quick. I'll come in and wait. Hey, wait, wait a minute. I'll just sit down here and wait. I sure like this rocking chair. Go right ahead and do whatever you were doing, Mr. Nesbitt. I wasn't doing anything. Oh, looks like you were packing or something, with all those boxes and trunks around. Going away? No, Helen's been sorting things out, getting rid of a lot of stuff. Oh, burning it up in the fireplace. Uh, Yeah, that's right. Dad always burns our junk out in the alley. Clothes smell awful when they burn. Uh, Look at it. Helen may have gone on from the store to visit a friend. Well, if she doesn't come back soon, I'll leave. Yeah, I'll I'll tell her you were here. What do you want to see her about? Oh, nothing much. Hey, that's too bad. What? I guess you lost the key to that box. You had to break the lock. No, no, it was broken already. Yeah, I bet you folks don't know where you are, kid. No, sir. They think I'm in bed. What friend did Mrs. Nesbitt go to visit? Oh, I don't know. I mean, look, kid, I, I ought to tell you, she won't be back tonight. Oh? No. She went to the store, like I said, but she was going from there over to Beachwood to visit her mother on a bus. She'd be gone two or three days. Oh, that's a shame. Why? Well, Mama was expecting Mrs. Nesbitt to come over tomorrow. Maybe to sell. Hey, you, you better not tell your mother. Uh, you see, it's kind of secret about Helen going away. She, she doesn't want people to know for a while. Oh. Uh, you, you know how to keep a secret, kid? I guess so. Uh, I, I'll give you something for not telling. I'll give you a reward. Let's see. Hey, here, here's something for a kid. A doll. A doll? Yeah, Helen was going to give it to you. I heard her say when she was sorting the stuff, she said, I'll, I'll give this to the little Leary girl. Mrs. Nesbitt always calls me Margaret. Well, sure, that's what she said. Margaret, that's quite a doll. Old-fashioned. It's made of leather. Face is china or something, see? Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mr. Nesbitt. It's a reward for not saying anything about Helen being gone. Understand? Now, come on. I'll snap on the porch light. Uh, Mr. Nesbitt, did you finish your driveway? What do you mean? Did you get all the dirt hauled off to make it smooth? Sure, sure. Now, come on. I saw your dump truck in the lot this morning and... What do you mean? Were you in the lot this morning? No, no, I I was at home. I looked out the window. Please, Mr. Nesbitt, let go of my arm. You've been playing out there today. Answer me. Oh, don't. That hurts. I wasn't playing. It's no fun now with our fort all covered up. The fort... What's that? Nothing. Nothing, Mr. Nesbitt. Tell me what you're talking about. Nothing but that old concrete pipe. You know something. That's why you came here. You've been snooping around that lot and you found out something. What do you know? I don't know anything. Let me go, Mr. Nesbitt. If you don't let me go, I'll... There! Come back! Hey, come back, kid. I'll give you something else. I'll give you something else. Come back, kid. Mr. Nesbitt yelled because I kicked and bit his hand. Then I ran, but I heard him running after me. It was dark and quiet and scary on the streets, and more scary out there in the lot. I ran straight across the place where I heard the screaming, and it was so quiet. 
and all of a sudden there was a man in the lot, right in front of me. Stop, Margaret. Oh. Margaret. Oh, oh, Daddy. Margaret, where have you been? Do you have any idea how your mama's worried? Do you know how late it is? Daddy, Daddy, he's after me. We've been Mr. up Nesbitt. and down alleys and clear down to Clark Street. I was about to call the police. The screaming woman. It's Mrs. Nesbitt down there. I'm going to give you a good licking. Mr. Nesbitt killed her, and now he wants to kill me. I've had all of that idiotic talk I can stand. It's you... true. You've got to believe Margaret, me. I'm going to lick you right now, right here. I've had enough of... What have you got there? Where did you get that doll? Why, I, I gave it to Larry. <laughs> Kids stopped by the house, and I, I remembered... Helen said she wanted to throw it away. Helen said to throw it away? He's lying, Dad. He gave it to me so I wouldn't tell about her. It was locked up in a box. He didn't have the key. He broke it open. <laughs> She's a high-strung kid, Larry. All the stuff she was telling me. He's lying, Dad. Yes, he is lying. Why are you lying, Charlie? Lying? How do you get that, Larry? Helen never let you have that doll. It was locked up. That was a present I gave her a long time ago. She wouldn't throw it away anymore, and I'd throw away the paperweight she gave me. Why are you lying, Charlie? I'm not. Don't look at me that way, Leary. As God is my witness, I... It's her. Dad, it's the screaming woman. As God is your witness. Leary, don't! No! Margaret, run to the house. Phone the police and tell them to hurry. Tell them we've got to dig. Hello? Hi, Dippy. Everything's fine. Everything's worked out keen. The screaming woman isn't screaming anymore. And they've got a lot of people down there digging her up. Hey, that's swell. Hot dog. And you know what else, Dippy? They're going to uncover our fort again. Oh, Dippy, wasn't it a keen Thanksgiving? Thank you, Margaret O'Brien, for a splendid performance. Miss O'Brien will return in just a moment. Oh, no, that Autolite Stayful battery fable wasn't bad, coming from a fairly fabulous fibber. Ah, oh, but you haven't heard all of it, Hap. Why, bye, Cornelius. Clarissa, that's my car, uh -huh. spoke to me again this morning. Thanks to you, she said, and that Autolite Stayful battery, this has been the happiest year of my life. Why, even these cruel, cold mornings, I've got that Autolite pep, that Stayful battery, get up and go. Well, Clarissa, I says to my gas buggy, you're the queen of the May, the lass with the delicate air, and the pride of Wilcox Alley all in one. What do you want now, my Thanksgiving precious? And she says, just to go to sleep out in the garage once again. Why, Harlow, you can even use my Autolite Stay Full battery for a pillow. Happy slumber and good night, everybody. And remember, Autolite means batteries. Stay full batteries. Autolite means spark plugs. Ignition engineered resistor spark plugs. Autolite means ignition systems. The lifeline of your car. And now here again is Miss Margaret O'Brien. It's been just wonderful being on suspense. And I hope you'll let me come back again sometime. We will, Margaret. 
And now let me tell our listeners about next week. Claude Rains and Vincent Price in the famous mystery story, The Hands of Mr. Ottermole. Another gripping study in suspense. Margaret O'Brien appeared by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of the Technicolor picture The Three Musketeers, starring Lana Turner, Gene Kelly, and June Allison. Tonight's suspense play was by Ray Bradbury, adapted for radio by Sylvia Richards, with music composed by Lucian Morawieck and conducted by Lud Gluskin. The entire production was under the direction of Anton M. Leader. In the coming weeks, Suspense will present such stars as Rosalind Russell, James Cagney, Ronald Coleman, William Bendix, and many others. Make it a point to listen each Thursday to Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills. And next Thursday, same time, hear Claude Rains and Vincent Price in the hands of Mr. Ottermole. This is the Autolite Suspense Show signing off. Good night. Switch to Autolite. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That was The Screaming Woman from Suspense here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And as we continue our listener library series this summer, requests from you, our loyal listeners. That was a request that came to us from Robert and was inspired to suggest that to us from his memories of seeing Meet Me in St. Louis in the theater that his mother took him to see in 1977. So let me start there. That is awesome that you got to see that on the big screen 30-some years later. B, your mother is awesome for taking you to see that movie. And C, we're awesome for doing your request. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just going to say that. Uh, Margaret O'Brien does steal the show and meet me in St. Louis, although it's hard not to love Ms. Garland. She steals the show in this episode, too. She's 11 years old. So a weird thing happens. So I listened to this episode, Screaming Woman from Suspense, and I made a bunch of notes, and I uh, pretty nonplussed by it, and I was like, ah, whatever. Okay, well, this guy, Robert, liked it. And I get an email from Joshua about 45 minutes before uh, recording. Hey, guys, I want to make sure that you're listening <laughs> to the right Screaming Woman The one Robert wanted us to hear. Don't listen to the 1955 version. And I went, well, no, no, no. That's Margaret O'Brien. And I got, oh, (laughs) I've been listening to the wrong. So immediately I had to go find that one and listen to it. And wow, what a difference an actor makes. And what a difference. Huge difference. An era on suspense. Yes. And here's the deal. I went and listened to this other one. It's the same script. It's Mm -hmm. the same words. It's just different music, different actors, different direction. There's different, very subtle things. And they destroyed it. It was unlistenable. Mm-hmm. It was not very interesting. And here's the same words on a piece of paper. And I'm an hour later listening to it, and it's like a brand new story. And Margaret O'Brien kills this, so to speak. <laughs> she is so good in this. And now, to what you were just saying... 11 years old, and she's like a polished veteran. Oh, yeah. It's ooky in itself. That's crazy and suspenseful. You're an adult in a little girl costume. (laughs) (laughs) At 11 years old, I couldn't be counted on to sit in a room. Right. (laughs) I couldn't do anything when I was 11 years old without just getting beat up. (laughs) 
She has that very strong mid-Atlantic accent that turned me off for a moment before I contextualize it within mm-hmm. the history of Hollywood. It's very formal speech, but then mm-hmm. I realized she's a very sophisticated actor in that she is using that accent strongly for the narration bits. Mm-hmm. And then when she talks to Dippy or whoever and is being a kid, it really fades. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh... She's good. (laughs) Do we want to pause to address the question we had in the intro of who the uh, identity of the screaming? Yeah, let's get that out of the way because they're probably like, hey, TikTok, you guys, you (laughs) set me up. Now, we all know because we discussed it. But did you know when you were listening? I did not know when I was listening. If anybody had asked me, I probably could have guessed. But I wonder if someone would have asked me if I would have listened to that scream and been able to discern that voice. Did you have any idea? Well, I read it um, because you read places. the novel. <laughs> uh, it's a, a short story, Eric. Come on, <laughs> they're all novels to me. <laughs> as far as work, it was Agnes Moorhead. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Agnes we Moorhead. Just assume was hanging around the studio. Well, that's just it. I mean, I would love to think this happened because it's very possible. She does so much suspense, and she's beloved by the people that do these shows. And they're like, oh, okay, so who's going to scream? And she happened to be in the lobby, like, picking up a check, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. or... Hey, I'm, yeah, I'm going to need a muffled scream. Yeah, 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 I got 10 minutes. Yeah, I'll come in and do some muffled screaming. To me, I, I really hope that's how it worked, <laughs> that she was just there, or that they called her because no one screams like you. But the screaming in the 1955 version is terrible. I can't explain it other than in this one, Agnes actually says words like help and help me. The other one was like, are you a ghost already? What are you? What is the screaming? So even the screaming was a million times better and made a huge difference in this show. It also says a lot about suspense during this period. The director didn't go, well, we can just get someone screaming. The director understood Mm -hmm. that the scream, the quality of the scream is the heart of this story, or at least for the suspense and the fear. Mm-hmm. And they didn't take that for granted. They didn't go, anyone can just scream. You, you know, have they, to believe they got that she's the best stuck. screamer <laughs> there is to come in and do that. I would say it's not just the best screamer, the most sincere. In yeah. other words, you have to believe that someone is under there mm-hmm. and stuck and yeah. needs help and time is ticking away. All those things need to be conveyed through yeah. a scream for help. Yeah. And it's amazing. If you are listening to say, oh, you guys are full of it, go listen to the 1955 version and realize what a difference in that story it makes when it's not done right. And again, you can vaguely make out words, but it still has this quality, the muffled quality that she is terrified beyond the point of words. It is just this sort of primal desperation is all you hear. And that credit goes to Agnes Moorhead, but it also goes to the director mm-hmm. um, behind this episode to understand that fundamental part of the story. We did have your old-time radio moment of try and ignore the misogyny. <laughs> <laughs> when he says, I never knew a woman who didn't. Ah, that's a tough moment. But, you know, it's a different era. Different uh, it is, but I also think in that era, I'm sure any woman who was listening went, oh, shut the yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. I think it's there also to give us that feeling of she's being ignored and dismissed. I, on subsequent listens of this episode, 
it really came through of how much of a theme that is to the whole story, both of the sort of silencing of the woman who's been trapped under this huge yeah, right? uh, bunch of rock. I don't know why <laughs> simple phrases elude me like that. Um, but also Margaret uh, O'Brien's character of being not taken seriously and mm-hmm. just everyone she goes to normally for like, I have an important thing to say and no one listening to her until the point she has to actually go and investigate the community yeah. herself. I think Tim brings up a good point is your initial reading of this script is that it is about people not taking children seriously. But the fact that Margaret is female and then you've got the woman screaming who is female, you have one of the great radio performers of the era just coming in to perform a scream. It is almost like they have reduced the female role in old-time radio down to its like quintessential function, is to scream in terror. Sadly, <laughs> right. that is often the only role that was given mm-hmm. to women. And whether that was intended at the time, it still comes across now, 70 years later, mm-hmm. in retrospect at least. There is a uh, a really interesting Columbo moment in this uh, <laughs> episode that I absolutely loved. Again, we talk a lot about fine lines like, oh, that could be cheesy if you're not careful or that could come off wrong or stupid when you take a risk like that. But there is a really cool moment where she Columbo's her way right into that Nesbitt house. <laughs> I'm just going to sit down. Hey, I like a good rocking chair. Hey, look at you. You're packing. You going somewhere? <laughs> just, uh, oh, just one more thing. Lost the key to that trunk, huh? <laughs> it, it just barges in and sits down. Is that not it is. Peter Falk? I didn't think of Columbo in that moment, but you are absolutely just, right. But she's 11. Yeah. That scene is incredible on so many levels. Mm-hmm. On the script level, on the performance level, the direction level, it is so tense because you as the listener are simultaneously horrified by the predicament this girl has put herself into. Mm -hmm. Yet at the same time, you admire her. You're like, wow, you are so tenacious and so smart and you're figuring all this out and you're not sure if she's oblivious to the danger she's in because she's 11 (laughs) or... Is it just stubborn bravery on her part or that perfect combination of both? (laughs) But either way, and the actor who plays Mr. Nesbitt, Mm -hmm. as he slowly goes from like offering her treats to trying to dismiss her to getting genuinely threatening, all of his various changes in performance are really good. Yeah, the journey he goes on is real. He doesn't suspect anything. And then when he starts to suspect and how do I not let on that I suspect? And, and it's all there very subtly. Yeah. The, her process of, I need to do this to help. I can't do that to help. I need to do this to help. Every step of it is at least as good as I could have done. And I think of myself as a pretty smart person. <laughs> right. <laughs> and in some cases, yeah. like, wow, I would not have been that smart. Yeah. To go house to house is an interesting thing to see who's not home. That seems ridiculous, but then again, at 11 years old and what she's faced with, that's pretty much the last mm-hmm. option, isn't it? It tracks me, too, in thinking of this as a story about woman is in danger and she is trying to reach out and help her as much as he can. Her family can't or is unwilling to help her. So it's basically just house to house going woman to woman, mm-hmm. door to door. Are you okay? Are you yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And when yeah. does it all go wrong? The first man who opens the door. (laughs) (laughs) All right. There you go. Uh, On the flip side, though, I think for the time, the actor who plays Margaret's dad, we started out with his 
terrible line, but that's kind of Ray Bradbury's fault. The actor himself does a really good job capturing the stern, more authoritarian parenting approach of that time Mm -hmm. while still expressing warmth and genuine love for his daughter. Yeah, It's not off-putting. No, he becomes likable. He's dismissive and whatever, but there comes a point he goes, you know what, all right, you are my kid, I am going to go listen, and then saves her. Kind of at the end, you know. It's important that we believe that the father is not just hateful towards his daughter, (laughs) but genuinely believes that she is playing make-believe. That he loves her, but does not get it. And that actor, I think, does a fabulous job conveying it. You can see the smile on his face. All right, let's go do this. Why not? Dinner's over. Tryptophan is going to kick in. I'm sorry to to parenthetically inject here. Aside from the thematic and performance praises and all that, this also has my exact Thanksgiving experience because so (laughs) often uh, in my life I've had Thanksgiving dinners someplace where I'm just somebody's guest. You're like, I wish there were a screaming (laughs) to get me out of this. (laughs) Like this is kind of a long, awkward meal. And I I am watching someone's jaw move (laughs) as they very slowly (laughs) masticate that turkey. (laughs) That's another really great moment in this uh, a foley of performance or direction. But to hear her talking with her mouthful yes. and getting the sense that she's eating Just as fast as possible food down her throat. Yeah. It was really yeah. subtle and, it, and yeah. could be very easily overlooked in the performance yeah. of and uh, production of this piece. But just a little thing like that where you just hear a little food in her mouth and she's eating fast. Hey, speaking of Foley, there is the the, the scene when the father does go with her and is the two of them are just listening to the neighborhood. Oh that yeah. is pretty much your example of the perfect old-time radio foley it's staged it that trolley perfectly. when he says that's four blocks away what i don't yeah. remember the let's just say it's four blocks. it sounds exactly four blocks away <laughs> yeah it's unbelievable how crystal clear that made you feel like you were standing outside and could hear that far there's, away that's there's the trolley there's wind. There's yeah. the Dolan's car. Some neighbors named the Dolan driving away all in the distance. There's and Mickey. You can, yes, totally Mickey Dolan's. <laughs> There's Mickey you, Dolan's mom. You're, you're right. You know exactly where these are in space. That's difficult for yeah. to pull off. It. You know where you are in space, which helps with that theater of the mind so much that you are now standing next to your father listening on a grassy hill overlooking a town. That's why we do this podcast and why I love this theater so much is – that's my story, and it's in my head, but you need these things in order to create what's in our head mm-hmm. so vividly. But you're right, it's tangible, it's so vivid. You, you feel like, oh, I, I was there. I did stand there and listen to that. Now, when I was listening to this, I wasn't exactly sure what you guys would think of it, honestly. I hated I knew, the first time. I knew you'd like portions <laughs> of it, but I think it's more how I was interpreting the disbelief of the child and i feel like that aspect of the story will either suck you in that is the suspense or it will completely turn you off out of frustration out of frustration or disbelief oh no one would dismiss their child and would not listen to as eric probably experienced i would just guess the performance of of margaret Mm o'brien made that totally work and like i am so on board with this kid 
Yeah, it was very different with the other kid to the point where it was just frustrating. There's just something about the way this one was done that it made it very believable. And I think I it's I the do... performances of the adults in yeah, there. I also well. think setting it on Thanksgiving is brilliant because you also know there's <laughs> yeah. stakes. The kid comes in and says, there's someone buried in the playground. And you're like, Thanksgiving dinner is almost done. Yep. And there's a reason to have everyone sit at the table no matter what the situation is. It's a holiday. We're going to sit down. We're going to enjoy Thanksgiving. So Don't I think that this. helps give some justification for yeah. not following your kid on a possible lark mm-hmm. in the middle of Thanksgiving dinner. I would absolutely agree with that. I am, uh, what's the word? Uh, upset is not the right word. I just wish we would have saved this for Thanksgiving. Would this have been the perfect Thanksgiving episode? I feel <laughs> guilty because I almost <laughs> brought this for the Thanksgiving of our first year of this podcast, but then... I forgot. (laughs) The the thing is, in our own personal lives, we could listen to this again on Thanksgiving. Nope, it's done. (laughs) You guys and you're reading books and re-listening to things. I don't have time. I'll find a neighbor of yours and bury them. That, I don't know. Does that make this better? Yes. I know the one. Eric gets to pick the neighbor. Oh, I know the one. Let me just write his name down on this napkin for you. Uh, no, I, Thanksgiving. I don't know how your guys' Thanksgiving is, but I'm going to be way too drunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole other version of the story. Screaming woman, what? Come in another beer, Mar- Mar- Margaret. <laughs> no, there's no family there either. Right. It's uh, me alone. <laughs> Uh, I'll be over watching you chew things. (laughs) (laughs) It also has the great Bradbury quality of elevating the significance of childhood. And this is becoming the Ray Bradbury podcast over the last couple months because uh, our listeners are clearly big Ray Bradbury fans because we've had a lot of requests for stories based on his work. But there's a great line from the dad when he says, funny how we hang on to things that were important to us when we were kids. Mm -hmm. To me... That's such a significant part of this story, and it's very Bradbarian. If Margaret's father and Mrs. Nesmith did not hang on to the paperweight and that doll and those memories, mm-hmm. she'd be dead. Yep. Yeah. Despite the fact that he dismisses his daughter at first, it is his connections to his own childhood that saves the day. It's also testimony to how far we come with toy making when they had a doll, <laughs> doll made of leather. Gross. <laughs> that could not have held up very well. I mean, these days a doll made of leather is pretty spendy. Is that that American yeah, girl just, thing? Is it's that usually leather? life size. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we won't get into it. <laughs> That's what I'll be doing Thanksgiving. (laughs) No. No. I just censored six jokes in a row. (laughs) That's amazing. Wait till you see the paperweight. (laughs) Damn it. Oh, five of my jokes didn't make it out. Oh, oh, just you know, one of the jokes had the word stuffing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's I, I vote. Will, I, I want to say one more thing. Okay. And that is, I love old-time radio that retains the original commercials, and I just really like to feel the authenticity of the time. But if some <laughs> fan who had a lot of time on their hands edited out every single Autolite commercial <laughs> from this, like, heyday of suspense, <laughs> I would be a happy man. Really? 
those Autolite commercials are like anti-suspense. They, I like just, the break. Oh, I like the break, and I also <laughs> like give me how Roma nice... wine any day. Well, they Roma just wine, go, yeah. shut up. Shut the hap up. <laughs> <laughs> it's much like when I come across, you know, oh, I'm going to listen to CBS Radio Mystery Theater tonight when I do that. And I, please be the one that includes the news and all the commercials from the 70s. You know, I like the context of it. Yeah. You could just re- replace Autolite with Mary the Lipton Tea Lady. Yeah, there you go. One quick moment that I found really funny when the dad accuses Margaret of, like, you seem hot, you have a fever, why don't you go take a nap for the entire day? And I was like, oh, it's the yellow wallpaper school of parenting. (laughs) (laughs) Right? What a fun Thanksgiving. (laughs) Just go to your room and nap it off. Come on. Eric and I are parents. I think we've all suggested our kids just (laughs) go take a nap for the entire holiday. I can go take a nap. If you would just pretend to like football, <laughs> you have an out. Oh, yeah. See, you can go to that room where they've set up the TV, and then you're out. Yeah, well, Doctor Who works the same way as football no, for me. No, yeah, Because there's no Doctor Who Thanksgiving tradition. Uh, there's a Mystery Science me? Thanksgiving tradition. Yes, there is. Every day is a Doctor Who viewing <laughs> experience a tradition for me. Let's vote. I'm yeah. going to start classic. Classic, well done, this version with these people. Classic. Period. Well done. Thank you, Rob. Classic. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. It is absolutely a classic. It is phenomenal. For uh, all the reasons we already said. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there you go. Tim, tell them stuff. Uh, first, thank you so much for recommending this. I'm so glad you did. Yeah. Now, uh, on to my actual task here. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. It is the spot where you can find other episodes of this podcast. You'll also find information about our live shows because we uh, do live shows uh, more and more all the time, it seems. Also, you can figure out how to get a hold of us there. We have a little contact us link. You can also reach us through Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And these are all great ways to just let us know what you think, as well as if you have any requests of yours, let us know and we'll get to them in a year or so. (laughs) (laughs) You can also support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash the morals. We've got all sorts of membership levels. You know how Patreon works, but it's a lot of fun and we do appreciate it if you are in a position in which you can support the podcast. It helps us to do uh, a lot more stuff. So thank you there. And also go to iTunes and write a review. We love reviews. We have a lot of really nice reviews. We have all five-star reviews. I shouldn't say that. Don't spoil it! Because someone's going to go, I'll take care of that. (laughs) (laughs) Screaming Woman is not a classic. One star. (laughs) All right, next time, Tim, it's your pick. So our next episode is going to be uh, the episode Ape Song from the series Murder at Midnight. Until then, look out! Over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we go. The horse knows the way to carry the sleigh. Why, Why, Hap, Hap? Shut the Hap up.